0: This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, we have packed a few different shows together that we call Highlights to help you to get the most bang for your time in educating you on the topics that you want to learn from. We would love to hear from you. I am grateful that you are with us today. Have a blessed day. Our guest is Jason Urusi. Thanks for being on the show, Jason. Hey, Whitney. Good to be back. One topic today, Jason, that we wanted to talk about, I felt like, I mean, even just us talking about it beforehand, like you had this stuff just like memorized, you know, you were just laying these things out and it's talking to investors and and really just it's such a business, right? Just around that by itself and making sure investors are cared for and taken care of and, and you know, and, and them just, you know, and really you never being in the position of, Getting to, you know, close to closing and not having the capital raised. And I wanted to say congratulations on up to 450 units now. Congratulations to you all. That's awesome. I know you all are working hard. But I'd love for you to elaborate on that. Let's get into, you know, that how you all are doing that, how you've been successful, uh, you know, in that process of of really having investors ready and talking to them and marketing to them, all that.
1: So we are really just laying the groundwork and one of the awesome, amazing things about syndication or even just multifamily in general is you, is you have the opportunity to, to bring in investors so you both can benefit, benefit not only from, from the investment, but from the economy scale of being able to do a larger project together and ultimately reach whatever is your goal and your investor's goal at the same time, you know, whether it be generational wealth, cash flow, tax advantages, whatever would be the components. However, there there's a number of steps that we, we partake in that, that have made this helpful for us. And we, we generally do this in, in a four-stage process. And of course, lots of times when we go out and, and as being a salesperson or other point, it's always focused on the, on the close now. Well, that that ultimately, when you're trying to create a relationship and really just trying to do something that benefit people for, for many years to come and, have, and having these investors that don't, aren't only in your first deal, but your second deal and your third deal is just creating that environment where you, one, would be the first step understand exactly what they're looking for. Because not every investment I have is going to be a good opportunity for them. And they're going to appreciate when, when it's not. So if it's something that is, they're looking for a, a short-term project and they're looking for a quick turnaround in capital, well, if we're having a project that may have a, a lifespan of five to seven years, ultimately, we're probably not gonna be the best fit for them now. Doesn't mean that we, we take them off our list, but we, we ultimately just want to make sure they're fluent for what kind of investments we're offering. When do you find something like that out? How do you know that? Sure. So it's based on the initial conversation, depending on, on where they come from, correct? So if it's family, friends, or, or immediate network, or if it's someone who's made a referral from somebody else, or, or that if they're local, we may set up a meeting. If, if they're not local, we may set up a call. And we're going to ask them specifically, what is the risk tolerance? What kind of investments are they currently invested in? What, what kind of investments are they interested in, in investing in? What has been their investing experience in the past? What have been opportunities that they, that they have liked? Would, it would have been someone's success with those opportunities. So we can understand because investing in apartment buildings is, is generally a new concept for a lot of people. A lot of people don't know or did not know this was available to them. Or, they, or if they didn't know about it, they thought it was only available to larger institutional players. So when you're, you're bringing this to them, it's a, it's a brand new concept. So really, the first step is just understanding what they're looking for it is important to them for cash flow. Would they want the investments to be local? Would they, would they want the investments to have a certain timeline in there? Are they okay with the investment being solely a in passive investor? Because all these are going to lead to us understand if this is going to be a working relationship where we could provide something of interest down the line. So generally, we do that at stage one. The second part is now talking about multifamily investments in in entirety. Explain to them what we're doing with this and why we're doing it. And it can go on two frames. If you have uh, multifamily acquisitions that you've done in the past, then you could touch on those properties and touch on on why, why you did them, what you liked about them, how they're going, how you're meeting performer numbers. And if you take in a property full cycle, the full results. If you haven't, that's fine. You could talk about the industry, the class. You could talk about why you like these type of investments, the, the, the number of the five factors cash flow, appreciation, depreciation, debt pay down, tax advantages, how that forms out to be a great investment, how pooling resources from investors allows you all to benefit from the economies of scale to tackle these larger projects. If you have markets in mind, why you're talking specifically about those markets if you're in a, a Dallas or you're in an Orlando or you're in, you're in a Greensboro or a Louisville, why you like those market dynamics and, and what you're looking to do to expand yourself to, to be, have full knowledge to take on uh, such an investment. Do you have other board members in place that are that are coming on that are going to be part of your deal that have experience? Have you, have you put yourself through rigorous training of some capacity, some CCIM training? Or, or other. Then after that, that would be step two. The third step would be that this is potentially either you could use, if you've done a number of these, uh, showed them a past deal and showed them a representation of what the deal would be. But if you haven't done these, we created before our first deal happened, we created a mock deal. And the mock deal basically represented the kind of deal we were looking for and outlayed the type of returns we would be focused on, how the whole period would work, how the structure would be laid out for the investors. And we went over the entire concept. So the investors were, were fluent with this. And that could happen over one or two conversations because generally when someone's received with a lot of information, if they don't have time to, to take it all in and just conceptualize it, the, the answer is always going to be no if you ask them if they like it because it's just too much to take on in one conversation. And then once we do that, we'll give them the idea about what we're looking to do and see if there's general interest, engage with what their interest may be. Do they have an amount they, they potentially may invest? And what we find is that at that point, maybe it's not right for them at that time, but we'll keep them involved and let them know as we acquired a deal and keep them updated because just because they weren't ready at that time, they may be ready the second deal, the third deal down the line. However, if they are ready, they've now given us an idea of what kind of investment they, they are looking to make potentially. Maybe it's $50,000 or $100,000. And we'll slot that down this is no confirmation of capital. This is nothing that that's guaranteed money, but this is now general interest that we've now created about telling them and ask them what they're looking for, telling them about what we're doing, what space we're operating in and telling them about the potential opportunities that we're going to be looking for. So again, we we don't have a deal yet. We're not even at that point of having that. But once you have a series of these conversations, you start really having an idea of how much capital may be ready for you for your investors, however you've made the connection, and you start to lay this out and start to build your groundwork with your investors, well, now it also makes you comfortable to the point where you can understand what, what type of product you can look for. So if you have the ability, you feel potentially to say raise $2 million, and generally a good landscape would be total price or total acquisition, You know, maybe a third could be needed just in, in capital raise. So then if you can raise potentially $2 million, then potentially you could look for a million dollar acquisition. So then it makes you have that warm feeling inside that you feel good that when you do go out there and now find a property and get it under contract, that now you have done the groundwork that you can go back to potential investors and now consider that you'll be able to have a successful raise. So once you actually find that deal, you're not going back to investors cold and you're not going back to the point of saying, you're not trying to understand what they want. Then they're not trying to understand why you're doing this. And then they're not trying to understand what the whole multifamily deal looks like. And then now you're trying to pitch them on a deal. That's just too much. And it makes you look in need instead of really what the ultimate goal is, how can we help the investors meet what is going to be their goal expectations for their life and their future? And how can we work together? That is a much better scenario in how we like to operate, so we 're now providing investments for for people they we fully understand what may be the right investments for them so when we do have the right investment, we can bring it to them and it 's already a conversation we laid weeks, months, you know potentially years before, and now it can be a very easy conversation because, hey, remember the kind of opportunities we, we had been speaking about in the past. Well, here is that opportunity. We have this great deal. We'd like it for these reasons just in line. We're looking to hit these returns as we spoke about before. We're looking for this deal structure as we spoke before. Would you still be potentially interested? And at that point, it's a lot cleaner of a conversation, a lot more beneficial of a conversation for everyone going forward.
0: Spencer, welcome to the show. I was just expressing to you, I can't believe we've not met before in person. It's amazing what you have accomplished just reading your bio and the platform you have built. I'm looking forward to learning more about that and getting to share that with the listeners as well. But let's get started a little bit about how'd you get into the syndication business or in commercial real estate? What does that look like? And let's dive into your platform a little bit that you've built.
2: Yeah, well again, first off, really appreciate being on the show. I've been listening to your podcast for a while. So it's great to actually be here and actually you know meet, at least on Zoom. My way into real estate syndication was not at first as intentional. I mean, I was intentional about wanting to get involved in real estate, but I started getting involved in real estate syndication before I really knew what real estate syndication was. The desire was to get involved in buying multifamily real estate, investing in multifamily. But I didn't have all the capital or the teams or the knowledge or systems to do that. So I guess backing up just a little bit before I got to that point, I've been a little bit of serial entrepreneur. I've started several businesses in different fields. I originally went to music school at Indiana University. What do you play? Well, I'm a little bit of jack of all trades, master of none. I can play a little bit of everything, guitar, drums, keyboard, saxophone, kind of you name it. I can make sound. I can make something. I make some notes on it. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> I had to ask. I especially was kind of recording production and composition. So I went to New York City for a little bit after that, working in recording studios, kind of building, trying to build my own book of clients. And I kind of figured out I love doing it, but I didn't really see a path to really build a scalable business. And it was my two passions at that point where music and building a business, being an entrepreneur. And so I started focusing on, right, what else could I do to really build a business? And a little bit after that, I ended up moving back to Indianapolis, which is my hometown. Started a business with my wife and one of my best friends after we were sharing a kind of a double IPA. So craft brewer and brewed, and we said, you know, where are all these hops coming from? These craft brewers that are popping up everywhere are using. We realized there was a hop shortage going on. We thought we'll... Indiana is a great state for agriculture. Why don't we produce hops here for all these local craft breweries? Eventually found out that just Indiana's not the best climate to grow hops. But in that process, we started acting as a broker between hop farmers out on the West Coast in Washington and Oregon and craft brewers at first in Indiana. But eventually we started distributing to brewers all across the United States. We essentially found this niche kind of being a craft broker to all these craft brewers. And so we were the kind of fastest growing hop broker really in the United States. We became the largest in the Midwest. And then about 2015, decided to sell that business. All along the way, I had been investing in real estate, single family homes, duplexes. And I loved investing in real estate. It was something that I always told myself I would be involved in on the side. But then when my wife and I, Alex, we were kind of looking for that next business, that next step, said we love real estate, why don't we build a business around real estate and investing in real estate? And so we started networking, trying to figure out who was kind of in the space, who was buying and managing apartment buildings. We had the idea that we'd be doing it all on our own, if we could. The more we learned, the more we learned that we didn't know. And again, just trying to grab coffees and lunch with anyone who'd take a meeting with us. And eventually we formed a relationship with a syndicator here in Indianapolis, who first wanted to invest in his own deals, but we wanted to do our deals. Long story short, he eventually offered an opportunity to co-GP and co-sponsor one of their projects. And we saw this as a great kind of middle ground of kind of getting our foot in the door, getting some experience, just investing, but also on the GP side, also you know getting some loan guarantee experience, kind of putting up our own balance sheet to help with the loan guarantee. And then we eventually went on to co-sponsor and co-GP about 14 syndications with that one sponsor. And then after, I would say, probably after our 12th or so, we said, okay, this is going really well. We really understand this business. We have a good relationship with our partner, but there's some things that I think we could do a little bit different. We want to build out our own brand, build out our own systems. And so really kind of early, late 2018, 2019, we made it a very concentrated effort to start doing And then in 2020, of course, right right, as the pandemic was kind of surrounding us, we led our own sponsored projects. We did three deals last year in 2020, and we've got a couple other projects we've done this year. And all in all, we've invested in over 9,000 apartment units. We've got a little over $500 million of assets under management of projects we actually control and continuing to build out our team, build our investment platform. And again, just kind of try to build a group of individuals, try to allocate to real estate and have a similar line strategy and goal. And it's been a lot of fun along the way, and we're still having fun doing it.
0: Wow. No, it's incredible. I appreciate you just elaborating. I mean, you had this other successful business that you sold. You mentioned you were investing all that time in real estate. What were you investing in?
2: I was mostly flipping houses. Okay. I was trying to have like A house flip going on the side because that was kind of my idea of real estate investing from the beginning. I actually, you know, even kind of before my first real estate investment, I was actually just getting out of high school. I had an opportunity to flip a house, and that kind of planted the seed, was that initial spark of saying, okay, you know, this real estate investing thing, it's possible. I can do it. It's not rocket science. You have to know what you're doing. Honestly, I learned that I should not do everything for the project, learn how to, you know, delegate really kind of early on. But I didn't think that that was going to be kind of my core focus and what I wanted to build a business around until kind of later on in my life, looking back, kind of looking at all the options and saying, why not kind of go all in on real estate? Best decision that my wife and myself made for ourselves.
0: Thank you for being with us again today. I hope that you have learned a lot from the show. Don't forget to like and subscribe. I hope you're telling your friends about the Real Estate Syndication Show and how they can also build wealth in real estate. You can also go to lifebridgecapital.com and start investing today.